tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck! My name is Oliver Queen. My name is Barry Allen. You're blind, but you see so much. Everything we've been doing, it all leads here. Suit up. Jim Gordon, GCPD. I hear good things about you, Counselor. Harvey Dent. Likewise, about you, Detective. You think you know me, but I've never been more than what each of you has created. <laughs> Just look at the flowers. Welcome back for another episode of Televised Heroics. Uh, it's been an interesting interesting uh, beginning of the week there, Daniel. Yeah. With all the, the news coming out of uh, the DC Warner Brothers Entertainment like offices, it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's quite the shakeup over there. So uh, I, th- I think we definitely have to talk about it because I think it's going to impact a lot of the TV shows that we're talking about and going to be talking about he- coming up here in the next year. Um, yeah. We're going to talk uh, eventually the shows that we're going to talk about this week, though, we're going to talk about uh, the, you know, the latest episode of Supergirl. Well, not the latest episode because we, we put this out after the Monday episode of the Supergirl. So this is last week's episode of Supergirl. The two season premiere episodes of Cloak and Dagger. I hope people are watching this show. Uh, and then uh, the season or mid-season finale of Fear the Walking Dead. And I have, I have, I have feelings. I have issues. I have, I have things to say. <laughs> oh, I have issues with it as well, man. It wasn't what I was expecting it to be. Yeah, I can, I can, I can appreciate that. I mean, I don't know exactly what I was expecting it to be, but I don't know if that's what I wanted. But I'm kind of happy with what I got. I don't know. We'll get to it. We'll, we'll get to it when we get there. All right. <laughs> You can tell me about your love hate relationship with it later. Ah, uh, yes, exactly. That is that is perfect. And I and then also, if, I don't know if you watched Talking Dead to follow it up, but like they had the their sneak preview, you know, scene from next episode, so the mid season premiere episode, and I'm like, hmm, I don't know how I feel about that, but I'll talk about that when we get there. All right. Okay. <laughs> so over at the DC Entertainment offices. We have Jeff Johns, who was the creative chief, or chief creative officer and DC Entertainment president. Uh, and and this is in quotes, stepping down. I mean, this is air quotes because he's not going to be that anymore. He's not going to be those two things anymore. He is now going to be. He's going to. He's starting up his own independent. Um, production company called mad ghost and you can go check that out madghostproductions.com i believe is what, what the website is called but you go over there and you can see that he's got a lot of projects already lined up and a lot of the projects include uh you know being the writer for a lot of the dc eu or dc film university which are or university universe however you want to put it um john's was one of the you know he's gonna uh, he's un- under his new deal. Uh, his first film project will be the Green Lantern Corps, which is based on a best-selling series that he oversaw. Please don't let it be like the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie at all. Please. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he'll have more say in it than he did with the Ryan Reynolds one. So, especially since oh. now he's going to write it and he's going to produce it. 
Oh, come on. Like, he was totally like, yeah, go see this movie. This movie is awesome. Yeah, well, he, he has so to say those movie. things, though. He works for the company. It's not like <laughs> it's not like they're going to come out and be like, nah, it's a piece of shit. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just saying. I mean, okay, full disclosure, you know, I have his name tattooed on my leg because he autographed my leg underneath my Green Lantern tattoo, and I got it tattooed, so I can't not hate the guy. Like, <laughs> I have to forever defend him and, and, and you know, love his work because, uh, yeah, it's branded it's on me. It's a tattoo, yeah. So, uh, yeah, about that. <laughs> but, no, um, he's also going to be – He's also the like producing force behind all the DC universe like TV shows that we're gonna have coming up in the DCU um, streaming app. So we got the Titan show, the the Doom Patrol show, the um, Swamp Thing, and Harley Quinn, like and Young Justice season three. three. Yeah, so uh, this new deal from the sounds of it is gonna allow him to you know use his creative side is what and, and essentially with the thing that most people know him for that that are his fans of not be so much of an administrator like he was as the dc entertainment president and the dc or the chief creative officer for dc comics all right um but i mean just as a producer like how much creativity and create creative input can he have though because i thought uh being a producer just means you pumping your money to the show or to the project well essentially from what i understand and i'm not an industry insider but there are different jobs that different producers do okay executive producers are usually the ones that that put in their money producers are the ones that go and find the money for the show or the movie so they get other people to invest uh they also are the you know the ones that uh are kind of the final say in what goes up on screen. And okay. I mean, it, I mean, I guess that also depends on if the director of it has final cut or not, but like, that's why when you have uh, a, a TV show or a movie, win best picture or best show, the producer is the one that goes up there and accepts the award, not the director. Oh. Because the, that's why in the Oscars they have the best director um, category, so the director can go also go up there and and collect, collect his Oscar if he if they is de- are, are deemed worthy. Now a lot of the times the director and the producer are usually the same person, or at least some kind some kind of sometimes the same person. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm talking out my ass, but <laughs> they you know like Ben Affleck when he made uh, Argo. He didn't win for best director, but he won for best producer or best film, I think. So he went up there and accepted the award. Okay, that makes a lot more sense now. Actually, um, I never saw it that way. Yeah. So uh, Johns, it, it, obviously, being the writer and producer on Green Lantern Corps, will have a lot of say in what what ends up happening. Now, I mean, depending on who they get as a director, now if they get some big famous director like. This is not going to happen, but James Cameron comes in to do it. James Cameron is going to negotiate in his his contract to have final cut of the movie. You know what I mean? So right. he will have the you know final of who, whatever makes it up on screen. Okay. Who uh, who do you think should be the uh, director for Green Lantern Corps? Ooh, that's really good. That's a. 
I, I need a director that can do a, a big ensemble movie. Like, I know that they've been talking about this Green Lantern Corps movie is going to be, like, Lethal Weapon in Outer Space, where you just have uh, a buddy cop between Jon Stewart and Hal Jordan. But I really feel like you should you should handle this more like an ensemble. It should be more like... I don't want to. I'm I'm gonna say Please Academy, but I don't want that tone. I don't want a comedy uh, in outer space. I want. Uh, I just want that big cast. You know what I'm saying? I want. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind. Of, I want that kind of thing. Um. So, someone that can handle a lot of a lot of people. At, you know, in in the film at once, and then also give it that uh, cop feel. Uh, it's unfortunate that we already used David Ayers for a Suicide Squad because he would be great. He might he might make it a little too too gritty for my taste, <laughs> but uh, you know Jeff Johns has a really close personal um, relationship with Richard Donner. I know I know Richard Donner hasn't made any movies in a while, so I don't know if he can or not. Man, I hope he's not dead, and I'm totally <laughs> mis- forgetting about that. I don't think he is. But uh, I think he is <laughs> so that's uh, that's that's a thing. I, you know, when the whole rumor of uh, what um, uh, Peter Jackson was going around of him making a DC movie, uh, I didn't. I, I thought he would be great for um, uh, uh, not Lord of the Rings, but Green Lantern <laughs> Corps, just because he know he understands how to do a big ensemble cast and how to tell a story from multiple views and stuff like that. Uh, right, uh, he bashed those rumors, saying he's not, you know, part of the DCU. There's no negotiations. Yeah, he said there's been no talks, and uh, the fact that uh, he's never read a comic book, so he doesn't because he doesn't think they're interesting, or so he never would be interested in making a comic book movie. Kind of thing It's like, oh well, we'll yeah, put that down. Uh, and it looks like uh, Richard Donner is still alive. He's just 88 years old. So, <laughs> but hey, George. Uh, what is his name? Uh, the guy who made uh, the 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 fucking Mad Max movie, George Miller. George oh, Miller, yeah. he directed Mad Max Fury Road, and he was in his eighties, so it's still a possibility. And uh, Clint Eastwood, you know, he's ancient. He's up there. He directs still. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's a possibility. It's it's it could happen. Jesus Christ, May 31st, 1930. Holy crap. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Do you have a preference on, on who you think should make who should direct a Green Lantern Corps movie? Um, I mean, I'm going to get a lot of hate, but I think um, just because uh, visual effects is really good, um, even though the movie was shit, um, I was going to say Rian Johnson. Oh, Ryan Johnson, yeah, he could I I could see him doing it. I mean, he's made other great movies just because The Last Jedi wasn't great. I think I don't I mean, he, obviously he's too busy. He's gonna, he's making like three more Star Wars. So, yeah. it that that's it's not going to be him, but uh I I I get it. I see what you're saying. Yeah, he would have that whole atmosphere. He would know exactly what to do, but yeah. I don't think uh they're going to want to Put him in the director's seat for that movie. Yeah. Um, anybody else? Any other? I mean, um, just because lo- I'm a big fan of his work. Um, oh, and I just lost his name. God damn it. Um, director Scott Pilgrim. Uh, Edgar Wright. Ooh. 
Edgar, but it would be too comedy, though. Yeah, he would definitely he would definitely play up the comedy. But you know, if you did like the comedy that he had in uh, Hot Fuzz or or um, uh, Shaun of the Dead, I, I could kind of see it work. Yeah, it wouldn't be bad. But God knows what other Edgar Wright projects he has going on right now. I mean, if you take a look at what they have right now, you have Shazam written or directed by Andy. No, Adam. No, Andy F. Sandberg. Is that right? No, Adam F. Sandberg. Something like that. And uh, 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 David F. Sandberg. David F. Sandberg. Thank you. And then Aquaman, directed by James Wan, you know they like they seem to like to go with the uh, horror directors for their <laughs> DC movies. So uh, I don't I don't know who else out there is a, is a horror director. I, just, I guess I'm not paying paying too close attention, but maybe that's the direction they'll go with that. Do we really watch horror movies though? I don't, but you know I've heard. I don't know if you you went and saw it or if you you heard about it, but like uh, the whatchamacallit... um. Uh, Hereditary, I guess, did really well this past weekend, or people were just loving either like critically, the movie is doing really well and people are going to see it, but they are not coming out happy because the movie takes a weird fucking turn. But some people are saying that's a good thing because it's supposed to, it's supposed to get you to get that kind of weird reaction to it. One of the reviews for Rotten Tomatoes said that, um, like that was one of the scariest and hardest movies to watch, like of the year so far. Yeah, that's what I've heard too. So, I don't know. That's it, that's a thing. It's a thing that g- could happen. Uh, <laughs> oh, I just had one in my head and and I lost it. Who was it? Oh, Andy Muschietti, the guy who's directing, uh, who directed it chapter one and is directing it chapter two. Like. Obviously, he can do a ensemble cast. Maybe he come yeah. in after after it and and direct it. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad at all. I mean, uh, he did lose what Lock and Key, which is kind of sad to hear. Right. But but I mean, he can have his uh, hand in comic books again. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So, so there you go. And and he, obviously, he already has a uh, he has a, a foothold in at Warner Brothers because I yeah that's who who made the It movie. So yeah. We'll see. Him a ton of money. Yeah. Uh, talking about the DC streaming channel, the uh, DC universe, uh, the Titans TV show has a casting breakdown that might hint at Superboy. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. Hell yeah. Says here, uh, as described, the character is named David. He is a 20s something Caucasian male with dark hair who would guest star in the 13th episode, which is the season's season one finale. David is David in quotes is described as a powerful individual who is merciless who so much so that he has recently unleashed chaos to the people who have been keeping David as a prisoner in a mysterious lab. When we find David, he will have recently have escaped his lab. However, we see him in the role uh, would have a series. Whoever we see in the role would have a series regular option for the consecutive seasons of Titan or Titans. So, uh, I mean, from what you hear described there, that's definitely the super super boy that we saw in the beginning of Young Justice yes. cartoon. Yeah, uh, as he's breaking out of Cadmus Labs and so full of anger and stuff. So, I mean, 
I, I, I can definitely see you throw, making that a different character. Like, uh, there's you know plenty of other characters that are just angry in a lab experiment in the DC universe, but yeah. more than likely it is Superboy that they're talking about there. I mean, uh, Jason Todd, when he come uh, came back, even before he got killed, you know, he had a lot of anger issues, but obviously was never kept in a lab. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. So, but, I mean... But as you said, like, you know, after he came back from the dead, if you if you include the whole part where, uh, you know, Talia was keeping him in Nanda Prabhat and he was trying to learn how to channel his anger there, like that, uh, you can consider that kind of the same thing as the lab. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I know we had a conversation online uh, trying to figure out who, you know, should be cast uh, as this role. Have you thought of anybody else over the weekend? Yeah, over the week, I haven't really thought of anybody else. Like, I, I kind of like what I stated is like, I just don't know enough of the young 20-somethings in Hollywood. Uh, everybody I can think of seems like they're just a little too old to play Superboy. So it's it's kind of hard. I, I mean, you, essentially, either you got to find someone that, that's relatively new that, you know, no one really knows about or no one knows about at all, or you go to like the Nickelodeon channels or the, you know, Disney channels Disney. And, and yeah, find whoever's the up and coming there. You know, you did have a good suggestion, the dude from vampire diaries, but you know, him from Chicago PD or Chicago Sh- yeah, fire, Chicago fire. Yeah. He was in the vampire diaries. Yeah. Oh, didn't know that. So I pulled his name up and yeah, he was credited, credited for a couple of episodes. Like, more than like 30 i think was it vampire oh yeah so yeah that's steven r mcqueen or something like that uh yeah yeah. i just remember that he had went while he was on chicago fire he was pushing to be nightwing like he was kind of campaigning online for it oh that's awesome (laughs) for the Titans show so obviously that never happened and and uh you know this might be a consolation prize for him yeah um. Yeah, I mean, did you did you come up with anybody that you thought might be a good Superboy? Yeah, not not over the weekend. And like the only two names that came up were the ones I gave you, you know, um, during our online discussion. Um, but they're too old, so it wouldn't work. Hmm. Uh, and like I said, uh, Nicholas Holt, and then um, the guy who was in the 007 movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Nicholas Holt. I mean, I wouldn't mind Nicholas Holt, but one, he's already beast, and yeah, he's just he's just a little too old for it. And yeah, Ben Winshaw is that how you say his name? Yeah. Uh, I like him as the new Q, but he's just a little too scrawny to be Superboy for me. He could bulk up. <laughs> he could. I don't think it will happen though. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see who they get. I hope, I hope the person does a good job. Same here. Don't want them to end their career, you know, with <laughs> doing the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but staying in this realm, kind of, uh, Greg Berlanti, the creator of the Arrowverse, if you want, if you, if you want, if you'd like to call it that obviously shows that we talk about uh he extends his warner brothers pack through 2024 new deal worth north of 300 million dollars 
He's making that, some money. Yeah. So uh, comic book TV shows are not going to be going anywhere anytime soon. Nope. No, sir. No, they are not. I mean, he he does. I mean, we got all those shows that he does. He does Riverdale. He does uh, He does movies. He directed, I think he directed Love, Simon, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe he just produced it, but... Uh, yeah, he also had this uh, the blind spot or blind spot on NBC and uh, Deception, which was on ABC that I was watching, but it got canceled. Um, yeah, he's got a lot of shows and movies and you know iron or pots in the fire, irons in the fire. I guess is, mm-hmm. what, is how you say it. So yeah, uh, yeah, and it doesn't look like it's going any going away anytime soon. They they are putting a lot of eggs in his basket. Yeah, um, I don't know how he's gonna do it all on his own. <laughs> Let's see the the quote that that's in the TV line article about is is uh, a lot has changed about TV since I started working in it twenty years ago, but what hasn't changed is how blessed I feel to come to work every day where I work with the most talented, hardest working company executives, showrunners, actors, writers, directors, cast and crew in the business. Uh, I'm eternally grateful to all of them and to the audiences that watch, that have watched our shows. And finally, I'm thankful for the love, guidance, and support I get from my husband, my family, and my friends, which make uh, moments like this one possible and all the moments in between the real reward. Damn. Yeah. But uh, good for him. I mean, he's definitely... You know, entertained me for you know well over what six seven years now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you know that I don't know if you've actually watched Love Simon or yet or not, but nope. in that movie, um, I believe Kenyon Lonsdale is in it, playing uh, the love interest to the main character, the 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 guy, the Simon character. I think I don't know. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, it is on my list of things to watch, but I think, I wonder if that with the idea of, you know, the fact that we know that Kenyon's not coming back for a full season of Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Mm -hmm. if maybe Greg Berlanti has, you know, something else in store for him, like to use him in somewhere else as a main star or movies or, uh, another TV show. Oh, um, I actually, I don't know why I didn't post the, uh, the article, but uh, on his Twitter account, he actually posted the reason why um, he's not fully dropping out, but why he's um, not going to be series regulars and just be doing, you know, occasional guest stars and cameos. Do you remember, do you remember the reason? Pretty much the reason is that um, he, basically what the, what he said is like, I always wanted to be an actor. Now that I am an actor, you know, like uh, my personal life's kind of like taking a different direction i kind of want to explore that um but i'm not completely done with acting so i'll still be doing you know the tv shows and guest appearances and occasional conventions hmm uh yeah i mean that's 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 a reason i i still feel like it might be a mask like a mask reason like i, I you know there might be other things in works that uh other roles that he he wants to play because it's like that's like, uh, you know, someone that says, oh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, retire from acting right now or, you know, and then eventually they show up and, oh, well, they're the lead in something like Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck retired from acting after uh, I, I don't remember what movie it was, 
But then next thing you know, he was in uh, the you know what was it called the the town. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of started up his acting career again, along with his directing career. I mean, I know he had already directed Gone Baby Gone with his brother at that, his brother as the lead at that point. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of re, 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 uh, charged his career. And then, um, you know, Jay Z even pulled that stuff too. It was like, oh, and, you know, I'm retiring from music, but then, you know, couple of months later he released a new novel <laughs> yeah exactly so we'll see we'll see what happens with him I'm, I'm sure yeah like he says he's not done with acting he's just kind of stepping away from it right now all right take your word for it stepping over on to the other side of of comic book tv marvel uh marvel's iron fist season two arriving on netflix this year as according to uh marvel tv president um jeff loeb uh, he was at a convention somewhere talking about it. I got to remember where it was, but, uh, oh no, it was, it was, it was Reddit. Sorry. Yeah. During a lively Reddit AMA, uh, someone said, can Iron Fist get his suit? And to which Jeff Loeb replied, you'll be very happy with season two coming this year. So that was a big surprise, you know? I mean, we knew that they were filming, and I, I think they, I don't know if they wrapped yet or not, but they're definitely close to it, and uh, yeah, so expect to see Iron Fist season two before the end of the year. I mean, definitely the weakest show out of all the Netflix Marvel shows, but I am excited to see what they do with him because they only have up to go, right? Uh yeah sure let's roll with that. <laughs> uh, read a drinking game and every time he says I am you know the Iron Fist blah blah, blah everybody drink. <laughs> More rules to come. You know I think that I think these TV shows are very savvy with the their social media and and seeing what people are saying about their shows so I think. Uh, they know that people were kind of bagging on them for saying that a lot. I doubt either you'll see it be said a lot because they're trying to they're trying to you know troll people and be meta about it, or you'll see, he won't say it at all. He'll drop it. I know he will. Yeah. <laughs> or even someone will probably come out like I could, I could see Colleen Wing just being like, "Yes, I know already. Stop saying it," kind of thing. Just uh, in the very first episode of the season of season one. That would make me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, is very interesting that Colleen, like uh, that other, uh, that trailer or scene from Luke Cage season two has Colleen Wing and, and Misty Knight, you know, teaming up in a bar fight. I think we talked about that last week. Last week. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, the idea the two the, that she's going to show up in Luke Cage and you know there's there's going to I I honestly think that the if they do another crossover it won't be the defenders it will be heroes for hire and uh I bet you're looking forward to that one aren't you yeah I like I mean I liked the defenders it wasn't it wasn't strong it wasn't great but I think it was them it was their first crossover so it was them testing the waters I, I think the next one could be better I hope so cuz I mean there's a lot of hype for that show you know and yeah but you know that was a lot of the fan that was the fans like they were like oh great we have these guys it's gonna be the defenders like let's do the defenders like people were talking about the defenders like so quickly 
Like, I felt like it came out of nowhere because those aren't the defenders in the comic books. I mean, they eventually became the defenders in the comic books because of the show. But, like, the defenders is in the comic books was, what, the Hulk, Silver Surfer, Namor, and Doctor Strange. So, I don't know where anybody wow. started calling. Yeah, why did anybody start calling these guys <laughs> the defenders is just beyond me. But it eventually happened, and it was just weird. So, uh, more power to them for trying. But yeah, mm-hmm. now now we can get the the next crossover and call it uh, Heroes for Hire, and you have Misty Knight, Colleen Wing, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, and then you just bring in uh, Daredevil and and Jessica Jones just to uh, you when know needed. to be there. What? Also, when needed. Yeah, when needed, or or just to be there because you know they're a part of it, and then maybe bring in the Punisher. Like the Punisher didn't didn't show up in the Defenders, but. Why not bring him in now? I'm pretty sure uh, John Bernthal's like, yeah, give me more money, give me more Punisher. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? You know they're they're trying to just film as many things as they can before uh, Disney takes it all away. So <laughs> <laughs> try to milk the cash cow while they can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, last uh, article I want to talk about is. Uh, over on the Gifted season two on Fox, um, this is the X Men tangent TV show. Um, they hired a new actress. Uh, Empire, I, I guess she's famous for Empire. I never watched the show, so I don't know. But Grace Byers joins the cast of uh, season two of the Gifted as the character named Reva. I don't know who Reva is in X Men comics. If she is a person from X Men comics, but uh, as it's described in this article on SpoilerTV.com, a smart, charming, authoritative, elegant, wo- beautiful woman who is ruthless in her f- efforts to fight for her people. She leads an elite band of followers and has a soft spot for the, her new recruits, but is still capable of extreme violence in defense of her vision. To me, that sounds a lot like uh, Callisto, so of the Morlocks. I don't know if you know those characters from uh from the um x-men comic books or not but nope yeah i don't know that's something it's a new it's a new thing i don't know (laughs) how do you feel about that i mean i never got around to the show because uh of the things that you told me so yeah I i don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing it wasn't it wasn't a good show. There were some good characters, but it wasn't a good show. So uh, hopefully they step up their game in season two to stick around. Let's hope so. Fingers crossed. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know how do how do I how do you feel about that? If you don't think a show is good, but it is a comic book show, do you want it to stick around so that you know comic book shows do well, or do you want it to go away so that they it can make room for other comic book shows? I guess my thing would be suck it up and watch the second season. If it doesn't improve, then I wish it just goes away so I can make room for other, you know, shows. Okay. I think I can get behind that. Uh, I don't know why we stuck around for, (laughs) for God for so long, but it's finally ending. Yeah, it's finally ending. And you know that, I guess that that was just because Batman's such a big thing for us that that's what it made sense. Yeah, 
you could be right. And I mean, the Jerome episodes, you know, is what kept me, you know, like sticking around for it too. And and my my I my I guess love for the Riddler, like I I thought what they did in the first two seasons with the with the Riddler was pretty awesome. But then we got the Riddler that we got now, which he wasn't bad in the last season. Just it was definitely different. Yeah, they definitely uh, made it different. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we, we didn't stick around with Legion. We didn't watch season two. We might end up watching season two over the summer just to have something to talk about, but yeah, right. we didn't stick And around. like I said, I could bring in my buddy cause he's actually a big fan of it and I don't know why. I mean, that would definitely get a different opinion in, into the show and hopefully he can, uh, he can, uh, you know, appreciate us having to poke holes in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That show, though. Uh, yeah, that, that show. show. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let's talk about Supergirl now, though. So, Supergirl, this episode, I get, you know, I guess the the anti-gun episode over at Arrow did so well that they decided they needed to do an anti-gun episode over here at Supergirl. They they really need to cram more political issues down our throat. Uh, I we mean, we have Black Lightning for that. That's true. We do have Black Lightning for that, but. And we just had the the episode of Supergirl where we you know we had to deal racism. with racism, yeah, as a big topic. I don't know. It was the oh, the whole anti gun thing. Like, I I me personally, I am anti gun, so I, I should have been all over it. But it's just like it was too heavy handed, just like the other the other, the racism episode. So I I don't know what to say about it. And then you come find out Lena is a gun supporter and, you know, Jimmy Olsen is against guns and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like John having to John Jones, like taking away the guns from the DEO. Like it was so weird because like, what's her face? Alex already has a non-lethal firearm right like right. shot already made her one it shoots nets so like that's what i'm gonna have to deal with from <laughs> you know from here on out with the rest of the deo agents they're gonna be shooting nets and trank darts and all kinds of weird shit from their guns yeah um you know when it's bigger threats when it's a superpower alien i kind of feel like you actually need live ammo not darts and nets yeah <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, we'll see what, what it ends up being. It's, it's, it's a little, it's a little too much, but it's, well, I mean, it's a good message though. It's, we, you know, kind of, you know, Hey, we need to relax on the guns kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you I know, I, I love the, and, and when I say I love it, I don't really love it, but like, jo- uh, uh, J- John Jones sitting there talking the the gunman down, like when literally he's the most powerful telepath in the DC universe. He could have taken over the guy's mind and stopped him. I guess this is a way so that the guy can be like figure it out for himself. But like, it seemed weird. <laughs> it seemed weird that he w- he was putting in that much effort when he could have just done it with his brain, with his telepathy. Yeah, or he could have turned the gun into you know like a flower or something. I don't. I don't think he could. I, I, he could have made the guy think that it's a flower, but I don't think oh, he can. Cha- he can make. He can change the the molecular structure of stuff. 
Okay, but see, you get the point, though. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. So, I don't know. Uh, over on Argo, though, uh, we got to meet Thara Akvar. Now, uh, you know, most people aren't going to know. Even comic, maybe not even like hardcore comic book people are going to realize who that is. But uh, in the Superman mythos, that is your flame bird from the from Krypton, you know, uh, history. So when uh, when Superman had stories told to him by the Fortress of Solitude about uh, the history of Krypton, Krypton actually had two superheroes. They had Nightwing and Flamebird. And eventually, when he tells those stories to um, humans or you know earthlings nightwing takes the name his name from the nightwing from krypton and same with the flamebird superhero uh she takes her name from the flamebird superhero that was on krypton that's actually pretty cool yeah so uh it's interesting that they in this story they made her a childhood friend of kara's that uh uh ended up becoming a police officer essentially that's what she is a police officer on argo now, yeah. what do you think about the fact that she is, uh, I mean, relatively the same age as, I, I don't know, I guess she's a little older than Kara. Yeah, I mean, just from like the actress, it looked like she was old, a couple of years older too. Um, but where were you going with the question? Oh, it's essentially because Kara was in uh, stasis sleep. Like she went into the negative zone, or I'm sorry, the phantom zone. Phantom zone. And uh, when she came out, she did, she started aging when she was on Earth. Did the people on Argo not age? That's a good question. I mean, her mom looks pretty uh, pretty much the same. We're led to believe that her mom hasn't aged either. Well, that's true. But, I mean, obviously, Akvar did, or Thara did age because she's older than, I don't know. But I also wanted to bring this up, was that Erica Durant, the actress who play, who is now playing Alora. Is mm-hmm. only ten years older than Melissa Benoist. Oh wow! Yeah, like she's thirty-eight and Melissa Benoist is twenty-eight. Like I understand that Melissa's as Kara Danvers is playing a little bit younger, probably around twenty-four. But um, yeah, the 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 age discrepancy, like this, that's one of the reasons why I I thought it was weird that they brought in Erica Durant to replace uh I can't remember the other actress's name, but the other actress that played. Alora in the first two seasons. I I don't know why they would do that. (laughs) Why not just give her another character to play? Yeah. I'm trying to... I mean, I understand that she was Lois Lane in Smallville, but I already gave you, like, what you could have done. You could have just had her play Lois Lane on this show, too, because uh, Kara needs that person that's going to teach her how to be a good reporter. Someone that's not Snapper. Someone that's not Jimmy. And Snapper Carr kind of just went away, too. So. Yeah, exactly. And he wasn't really that good of a teacher, either. No, he was a dick. Yeah. So, like, yeah, you, you like, that's, I mean, I don't know who they're going to bring in to play Lo, that Lois Lane now. I mean, I guess they'll find someone that's a little bit closer to Kara's age, like they did with Tyler Hochin when he came yeah. in as Superman. Yeah, that's true. Um, would make sense. I, I mean, I don't know why but i guess somebody to relate to her i guess that's yeah. why they want somebody closer to rage probably uh you know what was the other thing was that when she was talking to alex at one point 
and uh, they were talking about how um, Kara was going to be so far away on Argo, and she's like, yeah, but, you know, we did the same thing when you were in college, uh, you you know, but she's like, yeah, but I'm not going to be, you're not going to be able to come back and forth on the weekends or, you know, once a month or whatever to see each other, and we're not going to have internet and stuff to talk to each other. Um, is that implying that Kara didn't go to college? Oh, I didn't even think about it that way. But I mean, how could she work at CatCo, you know, without like a journalism degree? That's what, like that's that. exactly where I was going to go. It was like, so they gave her a journalist job without a actual degree in journalism. Like, I understand that she was the personal assistant to Cat uh, Grant first, and then she kind of got moved over to that. But like, I would have thought at least she would have went to college for journalism. Yeah. Plot hole. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, maybe, maybe not. It's just, it seemed like a very weird conversation that they had there that should have been written better. Yeah, and uh, I'm just assuming that Alex got her degree in like criminal justice or something. Uh, well, she got a medical degree. She's she's a doctor. Oh, that's right. That's I mean, right. she she. I mean, as they explained it in the first season, she went through school, became a medical doctor, but then also took all the training that she could to be a DEO agent. agent. Yeah. DEO agent. So, um, Oh, so the, you know, the other big thing about the episode, they use the piece of the rock to extract rain from Sam. But as we learned from that one creepy lady in the, the hood <laughs> it, on, on Argo, it's like, things aren't what they seem. Um, I I get what do you what do you take from that that rain wasn't separated from Sam or that it's that the rain is a completely separate character now and you know uh, they can beat that rain with you know she's not going to have Sam holding her back anymore. Well, at the end of the episode, you see Sam go in that weird trance look thing again. That's true. And she drops a glass. Yeah. So maybe they temporarily removed rain from her, and now rain is back in her. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. And that was weird. And yeah, what's a Celine or Selena or Celine or whatever her name was, the leader of the cult, uh, stole the spaceship and went to Earth and met up with uh, the that crazy cult leader. Yeah, the crazy cult leader guy. Um, and they, and I guess, are going to you know bring 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 destruction to earth end it all just bring doomsday killer kill kill kara for a bit <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's like what me. i say um <laughs> uh the the sad part is uh john jones's dad is ready to die he's getting his moment of clarity right before the end and like they have this like uh, ritual that he passes on all of his memories through a, essentially a Martian mind meld onto uh, John so that, you know, essentially you don't die because your memories li- live on kind of thing. What, why do they got to depress us with that, man? Uh, I mean, you knew he wasn't going to last past the this season, so it's just a, yeah. it's a weird turn of events and obviously very sad for, for John. And then Alex gets thrown in the middle of it again, pretty much. Yeah, that's it's that's kind of sucks for her. <laughs> <laughs> she had a good point though. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else you wanted to say about Supergirl? 
Uh, no, that's pretty much it for this one. Yeah, I, I am. I just want to say I'm kind of counting down the the episodes to the end of the season. I just want it to be over now. Same here. Um, I think there's two episodes left, um, counting you know the one that just came out. Um, something spectacular has to happen. Something crazy has to happen, or else it's, you know I just feel like the show's a lost cause. Yeah, yeah. Something something really big is definitely going to have to happen at the end of this season or else. Yeah. It's not going to, it's really not going to be worth it. This whole build up for this season is not going to be worth it. Yeah. Cause all we've gotten is just dry dialogue pretty much. <laughs> uh, okay. So what did you think of the premiere episodes of cloak and dagger? Did you enjoy this show? First episode I was bored. Okay. Half of the time I was on my phone. But I was still, like, hearing what was going on in the background. Right. Second episode really caught my attention, though. Interesting. Uh, had you read any Cloak and Dagger or read any comic books that had Cloak and Dagger as a uh, side character in it? Uh, no. So I actually uh, Wikipedia'd um, some of the... Uh, I wikipedia the characters uh, during the first episode when I started losing attention. <laughs> So, okay, uh, one of the things about the characters of Cloak and Dagger, or uh, their names are Tandy Bowen and Tyrone Johnson, they got their powers because a scientist or, you know, science group went and experimented on them. They were both runaways from their their respective homes. They got picked up by uh, some some guys, and they went and... Uh, the guy, the, the scientist just injected him with it. I think in the comic books, they, they uh, eventually decided that it was mutant growth hormone that kind of made it, made it that way, made them that okay. way. Uh, so they're not exactly mutants, but it is because of mutant powers that they have their powers. In the show, however, you know, they are obviously um, steering away from mutants on how they got their powers. They, they kind they got it from some type of weird explosion that happened at a Roxxon oil refinery and whatever else was going on at that oil refinery as it was collapsing and they were both near it or in the vicinity and there was a big explosion. They were hit by a wave as children, an energy wave as children, gave, giving them the powers that they needed to survive the particular moments that they were in. Uh, Cloak or Tyrone got a essentially a, uh, a a shadow walking power whenever he's in he, he can use shadows to teleport to different areas and uh, Tandy or dagger is able to manipulate light and to the point where she creates light daggers their powers combined can do other weird shit at least in the comic <laughs> books but in this show it seems like whenever they touch they kind of have a uh, magnets that are polarized meeting each other kind of effect where they push each other apart. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely got that. <laughs> so, um, I think I see what you're saying with the first episode. Cause it felt like they were having to set up a lot between the two characters and getting, you have to get the idea of who they are, where they came from. Uh, Tandy came from a very wealthy family or not a wealthy family, but, a uh, uh, maybe higher or upper middle class or lower upper class kind of family until her father was trying to, um, 
whistleblow on the Roxxon company about, hey, you know, if you don't make these changes, a big dangerous thing's going to happen, as we saw it did happen. <laughs> and uh, they blamed it all on him after he died in the car accident. So their family had absolutely no money. They ended up, her mom and her end up, you know, very poor. It looks like they're squatting in a house that was uh, abandoned after Hurricane Katrina, which we have to mention that the show does take place in, in New Orleans. Yeah, post New Orleans or post Katrina, New Orleans. Um, and uh, then Tyrone's family, who uh, I don't, I mean, you don't really get an idea of what what their life was like before the incident where their son, their other older son was shot, but they are now a more well to do family because uh, he's in a private school. school. Yeah. And, uh, you know, her mom seems to be like some sort of politician or running for office. She's running for office. I also feel like she's some kind of, uh, ACLU lawyer kind of thing. She's kind of fighting for, for certain rights for certain things. And, and obviously against Roxon. So Roxon is obviously playing a big part in this show. And, um, Roxon part of, uh, Marvel comics at all. Yes, you know? they are. They, they're a big part of, uh, Marvel comics. Um, we actually already saw them in the MCU cause in the very first Iron Man movie, when Iron Man and Iron Monger are fighting, there's a big Roxon building in the background. Oh, and then yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that, that's a. It, I think that's an interesting tie, and we'll see what that ends up being. If they make a bigger part of the show or a bigger part of the MCU, I think. Okay, yeah, because I was gonna say I think Roxanne is just gonna play a big part um, this entire season for the show. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's something going on there. And yeah. uh, and whatever they were doing in that oil refinery had to be more than just oil if it caused them to have to get powers uh, yeah uh, I, I don't even know what to call that wave <laughs> yeah it's just some kind of weird energy wave it's kind of like the explosion yeah it was, yeah basically the same thing as uh what happened over in flash <laughs> <laughs> um what was it about episode two that you really enjoyed um episode two um i guess i just uh more the mystery um, behind their powers and seeing their powers actually, you know, happen and them trying to figure out how they work. Um, and then just kind of like the whole crime thing with Tandy, you know, her having trying trying to get a new identity and how they go to that, uh, uh, wedding party and, you know, they try to get the money so she can get the new identity, mm -hmm. uh, that sort of thing. Um, and I was rooting for, for Tyrone to essentially kill the cop with the scar. Oh, really? Yeah. So that, yeah, that was interesting is that neither one of them really seemed to be able to control their powers at right at the moment. And I don't know if this is part of their powers in the comic book or not, but in the show, they are able to, whenever they touch people, they are, they, well, not whenever, but they, when they are t touching someone and they have a strong emotion or whatever, they are able to enter that person's uh, mind of what they're thinking. Usually it's a memory uh, but it can also be uh, a wish or, you know, basically whatever they're thinking at that moment. Um, they yeah. both seem to have this power, which is interesting. Um, Tyrone seems to be using his powers a little bit more, but he also becomes more emotional more throughout the episode. Uh, he's able to he, he he uses his power to follow the cop, get into the cop's uh, 
uh, trunk. trunk. Yeah. Um, but then when he really needs it because his other teammates are beating the crap beating, out of him. Yeah, beating the crap out of him because they he caused them to to do suicide sprints. Um, he goes to use it, thinks that he did it, and he realizes he did, <laughs> and they they continue to beat the crap out of him. So that yeah. was kind of a funny moment. Uh, but then Mutandi uses her powers when she's about to get raped by a guy that she had previously stolen from uh, in the episode. Uh, yeah. She manifests a, a light dagger, stabs him in the gut, and that's why she needs those the, the passport and new identity because though he survived, he's in the ICU and probably going to be talking soon. Um, we also got in a in this in episode two, we got uh, a new cast member or a new character. Detective Bridget O'Reilly, played by Emma Lahana. Funny That's thing, a mouthful. yeah, no kidding. Funny thing is, is that you know throughout most of the episode, she, every time she she's on, talk. yeah, there's no talking in her scenes, absolutely none, uh, which I thought was kind of hilarious um, until the very end when she arrests the the boyfriend, the boyfriend of Tandy's, and says that and, get, and basically reads him his Miranda rights. Um, yeah. So I don't know exactly what she'd be arresting him for. I mean, what would she have that have any proof to, you know, to arrest him on? But uh, we'll have to see in the next episode. Maybe she knows that that's her boyfriend. And the only way that they can make Tandy talk is if she turns herself in. But they need him first. Maybe. That, that... Well, that's the only thing I can think of. I mean, that's who we, as we saw in when uh, she's driving away with her new identity, he calls her. He uses one phone call to call her, say, "Hey, I need your help." So, I mean, he he's definitely in love with Tandy. So I don't think that he would turn on her. But the fear of going to prison is a big thing, you know. Yeah, and I mean, um, from the looks of it, doesn't look like Tandy Tandy was going to turn herself in either way. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it, I mean, but I would say that she's probably going to end up doing something to try and help him out. I, I don't see her just keep driving away. I, I think she turns around in the next episode. And I was thinking um, uh, about this earlier today. Maybe she'll learn about um, Tyrone's powers and be like, hey, you know, teleport in jail, take him out, and tell him, teleport him out, uh, you know, to safety. Oh, that's good. I didn't even think about that. That's, what I, that's just the thought that came to me. That's the only way I can see it happening. I mean, they don't have enough money to go and uh, bail. Well, not just bail, but to get him a new identity too. So that would mean he would be he would have to go on the run. So yeah. Um. Now, what's also interesting is that in the comic book, Tandy and Tyrone are very much in love. So I don't know. Are they going to play that out in the show or not? I think so, and uh, just because love triangles seem to be, you know, the thing. Um, <laughs> obviously, the love triangle with Tandy's boyfriend, and then, um, you know, that high school girl that's kind of, you know, following and talking to Tyrone. Uh, yeah, uh, obviously, she is very interested in him, and Tyrone seems to be interested in her too. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Um, well, what are what do you what else are you expecting about the show for the rest of the season? I'm just uh, I'm just rooting for Tyrone at this moment right now. I just want him to get his revenge and uh, see where the whole detective thing is going to play out. Actually, um, you know, Tandy's situation. Uh, I I want to say is that 
the show hasn't hit for me yet, but I do enjoy the way that the show is made or filmed, I guess is another way to do it. I think that it's it's shot in a very interesting way, uh, especially the way you're going to tell the story of, of two separate characters that are doing simultaneously. Yeah. Uh, so that's the one thing that's really keeping me on the show. And then their depiction of their powers is pretty cool. Yeah. And you're right. The pacing between the two characters works awesomely. Yeah. So... So we'll see. We'll see what happens at the, by the end of this season if we're if, if it's a show that we want to stick to. Yeah. Uh, like we might end up having to call call some shows at the end of the at, at the beginning of next season, you know, for stuff. If if you know, like if certain shows aren't doing better, we might not be talking about them anymore. AKA Supergirl. <laughs> AKA Supergirl. Uh, all right. Except for the crossovers. Except for the crossovers, that's right. I mean, and we got we got Batwoman to look forward to for this year, so yep. we'll find out what that means. Can't uh, wait. Fear the Walking Dead, mid season finale. Kim 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 Dickens or Madison Clark is dead. <sighs> I mean, is she though? She See, did, you know, drop that line. That you know what that's what I yeah I know the the episode itself is called uh, no one's gone and her line was no one's gone until they're gone. Uh, I said the same thing you know classic comic book uh, uh, trope is if you don't see the dead body the person's not dead. So skip forward to Talking Dead. What's his She's face? Alive. Chris Chris uh Chris Hardwick said the same thing like it's a possibility that she's not dead but I guess someone said to him or uh, Kim Dickens herself said it to him that yeah she's dead so I think wow. I think that right as of right now she's dead but they left it open so that at any point if they decide to they can always bring her back Okay That's and how I you, feel about it and and as as we know, Daniel's coming back too. So yeah, exactly. So I think one of the interesting things is that there was a lot of foreshadow in this episode. So like um, the whole, you know, a lot of the things that uh, you know, talking to Althea or when they were uh, having to, um, they told the story of what happened with. Uh, Laura Naomi, now known as June. <laughs> uh, a lot of that stuff is was brought into this episode and then paid off later. I also thought it was interesting that when we found we saw the part where uh, Madison's character or Madison finds the rest of her family at that motel, the way that they were able to fi- talk to each other or find each other is because she she um, keys the the walkie-talkie. Uh, a few times and that that was the the indication to alicia to be like that's mom yeah i really think that and i thought it was going to happen at the end of this episode that there was going to be a walkie-talkie on somewhere and then you just hear it key a couple times and maybe no one was around it to hear it but that would be our indication that madison's still alive out there somewhere it didn't happen in this episode but i wouldn't doubt it if it happens somewhere in the future maybe season premiere if anything, I would say the season finale. Okay. Yeah. I think that you want to leave that out there that she's dead and gone for at least half the season. And then maybe at the end of season, th- this season, so season four, she would, you know, you hear that key and the people who are savvy enough to pick up on it 
can be like, oh, and then maybe if they can't get Madison to come or Kim Dickens to come back, uh, then you just say that it was someone else that was that knew the secret. So um, you think that there also might be testing the waters for the fans just to see how we react to it if she's, you know, gone for half a season? Yes. Yes, okay. definitely. So, like, with the whole Naomi, like, uh, the one thing I, okay, one thing I didn't like is the way that um, Alicia and Strand and Luciana were acting in this episode. Like, I understand they've been building it up throughout this season that the three of them are mad. They are angry that their loved ones died. And when they saw that Naomi was still alive, they, um, they went, they, they, they decided that she is the one that killed Madison. Yeah. Uh, but essentially they're just jumping to conclusions. Like they have no, real idea of who's at fault and and that's the other thing i wanted to bring up is that yes the vultures did cause the the thing that happened at the stadium by bringing all those walkers there but that was kind of to after the point where they were they were driven to that by i don't know i don't know what how how to put it but Literally to me, because like the way that they showed, um, was his name Mal, Mel, 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 yeah, that he was a good guy and he was, you know, he went to go help the the little girl and save her and stuff like that, and he he was trying to show, he was trying to stop his brother from releasing all those walkers and, uh, you know, you know, all, whatever happened between them, like there, this was this is the argument that you can make like with all those people that make about the saviors and, and Negan being like, he's not a bad guy. He's the same as, as Rick. It's like, no, these people were the vultures before this moment were not bad. They literally just waited until people moved on or died off before they went to pick the, pick the, the bodies. Like they never did anything to actually hurt anybody. They just came. They just watched. Yeah. They just watched and came behind. Um, but I mean, eventually, Mel's brother took it too far by by releasing all the walkers in there for whatever reason, and because they thought that he thought he wasn't going to get Mel back, I guess. Yeah, maybe. But 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 Mel like the the two Mel and his brother got into a fight before. That's why. Yeah. Like he was already having this idea to do this, so I I don't know. I I just want to say is that like literally everybody was on this the there was was on the side of good before this moment and this is the where you can sit there and argue that nobody is actually bad these just people are just trying to survive um but then you know obviously the three the the three amigos fucking alicia luciana and and strand just kind of went feral they went crazy and decided oh well now all the vultures need to need to pay yeah which you, you mean again? I I would hold them, you know, to accountable to a point. So I want to get my revenge. Um, it just, you know, kind of sucked that uh, Alicia's more, you know, level-headed. But for her to jump to conclusions automatically, be like Naomi, it's your fault that you know mom died. You know, you're gonna die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, yeah, she kind of just like, oh well, if Naomi is with the vultures now, that means they she was with the vultures then. 
and it's their her fault that you know they that my mother died but you're really just jumping to conclusions as Naomi points out is like I just thought you guys were dead and I needed to you know survive. I needed to survive with somebody and they picked me up so I went along with them kind of thing now that's a different story of like what when when Mel and the rest of the vultures were going to that horse track to uh meet up with uh Alicia and then well I don't know I guess they were going there just to meet up as a group. Alicia and Strand and Luciana just kind of were there, guns blazing, right? So, so once again, you know, they, they were the the villains, I guess. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. They definitely were the villains of uh, this portion. Um, I guess uh, the other thing that like really bugged me about this episode is that. I got the idea that, you know, the point and the idea that it was supposed to be a really tension-filled episode, but to me, it didn't feel like there was a lot of tension. It just felt really weird, awkward, and, like, displaced the whole time. Yeah, the same. I felt the same. Like, it, it felt weird to be rooting against the people that we've seen as our heroes for three seasons. Like, this was, like, I, I just, I was just, like, they used a RPG on the tank on the SWAT <laughs> yeah. car. And, you know, I know that they want to kill the little girl and they want to kill Naomi. But I was like, this is what John Dory and Morgan, you know, helped you earlier. Like they're innocent. They're and innocent. Al helped you, too. Yeah, exactly. Where she started firing on you guys. But still, that's besides the point. <laughs> so it's just it was it was very strange to be on this side of the fence from those characters, I guess, is the best way to put it. And maybe because we're rooting for John because he's such a fucking awesome dude and a sweetheart. And because we have our love for Morgan, I think that's why, you know, we felt so awkward and, you know, just felt like rooting for them instead. Yeah. And, and yeah, no, the few times that like, it seemed like John Dory was dead or dying. I was just like, no, no, don't you do it. I honestly thought that he was going to shoot Alicia and I thought that was going to be the end of her character. I did too. I did think that at one point, and then I was like, "Oh, maybe he'll just shoot the gun out of her hand," kind of thing. But yeah, he was really far gone. I don't think he could pick up a gun, even though he clipped the walkie-talkie so they could hear the other end. Yeah, but see, he 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 left it on the ground when he held when he when he keyed it. So like, I don't think he would have been able to lift it up. Like pushing the button and lifting it up would have been co- two completely different things for him, strength-wise. Uh. So in the beginning of the episode, when Madison rolls up on Althea, uh, you know, it's very blurry who who it is that she's rolling up on. I almost thought, and this would have been weird, but I almost thought that it would have been that it was Carol for a second. Whoa. Right? Like, I thought maybe this is a future episode and Madison is actually alive and we were seeing Carol come looking for Morgan. Oh, that would have been awesome. But then it ended up being Althea and it's in the past. And yeah, so this was been, so literally that was taking place someplace, sometime after the dam, after Mm -hmm. she had already gotten all her family back together, but then they got separated in El Paso. And then she, before she finds them and takes them to the stadium. Right. So we're going to have some story in between, I guess. I don't think we are. I think we're just supposed to be like, accept it that, you know, stuff happened there and we're not really going to know about it. Cause I mean, how could we do any more of that? If, if Kim Dickens isn't part of the show anymore, that's true. 
Now, when her deciding to make the stadium into their new home, I mean, didn't we already see that kind of with the when they made the 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 bullfighting arena into a, a bazaar down in Mexico? Yeah. I mean, isn't that essentially the same thing? It's a stadium like area. Yeah, we already saw it. So it was interesting that they would come back to that idea in this season and, and like, oh, well, this is this will make for a great home. I, I At least that's the way I thought. Running water, um, you know, the, the lockers, they could probably set up cots in there. You know, it's very spacious. Yeah. And since that's tall walls, they're like, oh, we can just build fences, even though it's like uh, this place was supposed to be more than just fences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then obviously the the dirt in the middle of the arena makes for a good uh, farming, right? Yeah. However, that was cheesy on on the writing part. The whole like, oh yeah, it's supposed to be more than just walls. I thought it was cheesy. Yeah, it it is. It, it is a little cheesy. I mean, the dialogue I don't think has ever really been too great on the show, but it's it's more of the character development that we we stick around for. Yeah. Uh. So by the end of the episode, you know, they're all sharing their cup of noodles. The essentially it was Althea's tape of Madison from previous time when she labeled the tape uh Amina because they didn't I guess she never asked her, her name or Madison never gave her name. Um it it kind of showed Alicia that she needed to do better because that's what her mom wanted from her. And yeah. that, and she was proud of the fact that you know she she was trying to be better. Like we saw at the end of the or when when Madison was quote unquote dying, she was happy that Alicia and Nick went out there to to save Mel, even if it did cost everything. Yeah, um, and if, I mean eventually we see uh we see her break down in morgan's arms and you know she kind of i guess forgave naomi and forgave everybody else and i guess they're all friends now yeah they're they're all gonna survive together maybe so if you if you watch the 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 extra scene for when they come back it seems like everybody is kind of split up to different homes and they're living on, they're all kind of living separately. Uh, I, I think, I, I think a Luciana is also picked up on, on heroin now. So the fuck? Yeah. She kind of went the same way that Nick was. Holy shit. Yeah. All right. So what, I mean, next, that was what I wanted to say about next season. I don't, I don't feel like they're going to be doing the whole two timelines anymore, which I think is, a disservice. I thought that was a really cool thing that they were doing this this season so far. However, it also looks like they're going to be introducing a, a hurricane to the mix. Yeah, I <laughs> saw that. So, uh, yeah, either hurricane or tornado. I guess it depends on what area that they're in of the country. But yeah, that that could that could zombie zombie hurricanes <laughs> zombie twisters oh god no you're gonna pitch a terrible sci-fi movie i, I mean i'm not <laughs> pitching it they're already throwing it out there i'm just i'm just <laughs> here for the ride <laughs> god no we don't need it what do you think of, so basically essentially we have four new characters added to our group we have uh althea uh john dory 
June and the kid, the little girl, I don't remember what her character's name is. Charlie? Charlie, yeah. Like they're going to that's going to be the the new new additions to the group to go along with Strand, Luciana and Alicia and Morgan. Yeah, and uh I don't know, I guess Al is the wild card in this. Ooh. I'll say June, but uh after the shit that you know, Al pulled off in this episode, I feel like uh she's more the wild card. Okay. I, I think I feel like she's definitely the one that's bridging that that will bridge the two groups. But yeah, I think I think you're you're kinda right. I, I mean I, I also feel like she's not she's not one that can be um trusted to stay. Not not like she's gonna double cross anybody, but like I feel like she doesn't wanna be cooped up with one group. She would rather keep traveling and collecting more stories which yeah, i don't think so either <laughs> i wanted to say also on the talking dead uh hardwick opened up the box of tapes from the show and one of the tapes said abe and doctor as a so maybe at some point she interviewed uh abraham and eugene that is awesome yeah but we'll never know until they play all those tapes that's true that is true and she, uh, when she was interviewing Madison, I want to say that she got better at framing, framing a picture. <laughs> oh yeah, she did. So, uh, so, so there's that. Um, anything else you wanted to say about Fear the Walking Dead? No, not at the moment. Okay. Well then, uh, the, that's it for this week. We, we, we had three shows to talk about. We talked about them. If you have any input that you'd like to add to our discussion, we'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter as Mitchipedia G-E-R. Daniel is also on Twitter as Super Commie Daniel. The rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram. Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page, and GeekEliteRadio.com is our website. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. But until next time, this is Televised Heroics on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to Geek Out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.